Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. You can always tell when people have had a tired weekend. Do you know how? They say a quick good morning and they all sit down. <laughs> so it is good that you have had a tiring weekend. And as I was thinking about it yesterday, I'm like, oh my goodness, we only have three more weeks of summer. And I'll be honest with you, I always remember when it came to like week three, week two, it was time for my kids to go back to school. Do I get an amen? Amen? No one else? Do, we got an amen for that, right? And so, uh, but I want to really challenge you with something. I want to challenge you with don't rush the summer. Don't rush the summer. No, don't rush the summer. Enjoy every second you have in this season of life. Because no matter what your vocation is, there's something different about summer. You get different opportunities to be with your family. You get different opportunities to be with people. We have two announcements. One I will share during my message, but really the, one of the big ones is, is that we're doing a food drive. Uh, we're doing it for the Suffering Food Kitchen. So please, let's fill this up and let's help people who are in great need, right? How many of us had breakfast this morning? right? How many of us had breakfast? How many of us could have had breakfast this morning, right? There are people that are unable to have breakfast on a Sunday morning, and we have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm really excited about this morning, and I got to like temper myself because I really believe that what God has been speaking to our church, that there's going to be a click in someone's heart, Today, this year, and this morning, before I ever kind of went over my notes, and to be honest with you, I didn't spend a lot of time going over my notes this morning because I know what he wants to say this morning. But there was a passage in Romans, and if you would stand with me, because I want this to be the springboard before we ever get into our, our passage, that really jumped out to me that says, this is what, this is what the Bible says about how God views us and his love for us. And when I was reading for this, I'm like, wow, Jesus, your timing is always, always perfect. Let's read about salvation. Romans 10, 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved that you are rescued, that you are redeemed. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on. Right? How awesome is that? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? 
And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? I just lost my place. That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Look at that last part. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 2, and you may be seated. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a passage at the most beautiful feet in all of humanity. And not just the most beautiful feet in humanity, but how Jesus invites each one of us to truly know him and to be the ones who are sent. So when we stand before Jesus in heaven, he looks at our feet and he says, wow, how beautiful are your feet. How beautiful are your feet that went to tell the good news. Let's pray. Jesus, we don't like talking about feet. Feet are stanky. Feet are nasty. But what we see is that there's something beautiful who peop- for when people are willing to go and share, share you. Here's what I ask this morning, Holy Spirit. I ask you for a fresh faith. I ask you for a fresh movement. I deliberately take off all forms of religiosity. I deliberately take off all forms of legalism. I deliberately take off all forms of self-righteousness that have walked into this sanctuary. And my prayer is that you would do something beautiful today. God, I ask you for that person who didn't want to be here this morning. I ask you for that person who felt like they were unworthy to be in this room this morning. And I ask you that the beautiful spirit of God would rest in this space. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to go back and look at a passage we've looked at before. We're going to go back and look at a passage before because I believe it is so imperative that if we are ever going to allow people to experience the fullness of God, the people of God need to know fully who Jesus is. And they need to know how Jesus lived, they need to know how Jesus received people, and they need to know how to go be like Jesus. So in Mark chapter 2, verse 13, it reads this. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore and again taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. 
follow me. Be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. When you look at Mark chapter 2, it is the very beginning of the gospel. In other words, it's the very beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus in Mark, the first thing that happens is, is he is baptized. He goes into the wilderness. He has his Holy Spirit moment, and then he starts doing ministry. In chapter 2, right away, we see that there are several disciples that were already called to follow him. John, James, Peter, and Andrew. And what Jesus was doing before he ever commissioned them to do anything, Jesus went around and he taught. And he healed. He performed signs and wonders. And this is so early on in his ministry, probably month two or three. And again, he never commissioned everybody. But rather, there was a buzz. There was a buzz that there was potentially the Messiah amongst the Israelites, amongst the Jewish people. And so Jesus would go out, and people would listen to him. And people who were sick would go to be healed. And I love that even what I read this morning, also in my own personal time, not in my study time, because study time was already done with, is that people were so full of faith that they, all they wanted to do was touch the hem of his garment. We oftentimes think about the bleeding woman like she was the only one who did that. No, multiple people did that. And so for that woman who was bleeding, she probably said, hey, if I too can touch the hem of the garment, I will be healed. And so Mark chapter 2, Jesus is going around. He's teaching. He's got a different type of teaching. One with authority, one with power, one with authenticity. And people are saying, you're saying the words of the scripture, but you're saying them different. And people watched. And it's so funny because when we think about who needs to learn about Jesus, we think about good people need to hear about Jesus, right? And so many people think, like, I need to get right before I go to church. Do I get an amen? Right? And so oftentimes what happens is that you wear your Sunday what? What did we have to used to do? Wear our Sunday what? Right? Khakis and polo shirts. That's what I used to have to wear to church, right? And I remember Easter, it was always the worst. My mom would make me wear these itchy pants. Remember, guys, those itchy pants? I hated those itchy pants. And I'd never dress up because of what happened in church. Church scarred my wardrobe. Do you know that? That's why I preach in jeans. You only see me in a suit at a wedding or a funeral, and I'll get dressed a little nicer on holidays. But my mama scarred me by the itchy pants. You realize that, okay? This is all deliberate all the time. But it was so interesting because there was a crowd of people who got Jesus best. And when Jesus was walking around, he knew that people were listening from a distance. He knew that people, no matter if they were in their workplace or, or, or like Zacchaeus, he climbed a tree. And we think, well, he just wanted to hear. No, I think he also didn't want people to see him. But there was one guy, his name was Levi, son of Alphaeus. We also know him as Matthew. And Matthew was a listener. But Matthew was a notorious sinner, meaning this. He cheated his very own people. He was a tax collector. Anyone ever watch The Chosen? Everyone watch The Chosen, right? I, I love the, de the, the depiction between Levi, the disciples, and Jesus. The disciples couldn't stand Levi because Levi cheated him. 
cheated all of them. Why? Because Levi worked for the man, the Romans. And Levi had to tax the Jewish people a certain number. And he was paid a very small wage. So the Roman government, what they did is they said, Here, here's what you can do on the side. We're only giving you this much, but you can overtax people. And when you overtax people, you get to pocket the money. Just don't tell us. But what the Romans were really doing was they actually had a control over the tax collectors because they knew that the tax collectors were manipulating their very own people. And no one liked Levi. Family members didn't like Levi. Jesus' new disciples didn't like Levi. Peter, James, Andrew, John, all knew Levi. Levi was from their area. Levi was probably their tax collector. And I bet you that when Jesus said, come follow me, Peter's like, uh-uh. I'm a good fisherman. I, I did not graduate rabbi school, but I'm a good fisherman. Because most of the fishermen, they would have all gone to rabbi school, and all those who passed rabbi school would become rabbis. And if you didn't pass rabbi school, you stayed doing family business. Do you know that? Basically, every young man had the opportunity to be a rabbi. But if you didn't pass, you went back to do your trade. And so Peter probably freaked out. Andrew probably stood next to Peter and said, he's right. Do you really know who this guy is? And John and James was like, hey, Jesus, this is your deal. And think about that. Who do we associate with? Who do we associate with? Because when we think about church and we think about Jesus, we think about only good people can show up. Or I can't go to church until I get my act together. Is that correct? And we play this part. We play this part when actually churches are supposed to be filled with broken human beings. And so Levi, this tax collector, he had the house, he had the chariot, he had everything going for him except this corruption that drew him into a place of isolation. And the truth is this. When you live in a place of corruption, you live in a place of isolation because you got to keep up with your corruption. You have to keep up with your lie. You have to keep up with the game because even if you come clean, other people are going to cause you problems as well. Think about that, how true that is. And so here you have Levi. And Jesus is walking around, and there were so many other people that Jesus could have associated with. But he saw something unique about Levi. And when you see people who are living in corruption or people who have certain addictions or are living certain lifestyles, oftentimes those things are participating in are just cries of the heart. They're cries of pain. They're cries of, of needing to fit in and insecurities. They're cries of abuse. They're cries of protection. And again, it wasn't like, like, 
Levi was poor and dirty and smelly because Jesus called them too. Amen? He calls everybody. And I bet you Peter, James, Andrew, and John would have been better if he just grabbed someone else. But this guy didn't fit in. And I love what Jesus says to him because oftentimes what we do, and it's the reason why I read Romans 10, 10 through 15, is that we say you can follow Jesus when? You can follow Jesus if. And what I love that Jesus said, all Jesus said was this, follow me and be my disciple. He didn't say, Levi, what do you do with a job? Levi, go do this. Levi, get everything right. Levi, go to school for three years and be trained properly and then be my disciple. He says, no, follow me and be my disciple. The word is acolyte. It's spelled acolyte, but it said acolyte. That is the Greek word. And what I love about this Greek word, acolyte, it's not follow me like we're playing a game like follow the leader or Simon says. It actually means follow me on mission. When someone says, let's go change the world, they're saying acolyte. Hey, you want to jump into an opportunity? Acolyte. Hey, listen, I want you to be on my team and we're going to go win the Super Bowl. They're saying, Acolyte. And Jesus says, I'm inviting you to be on mission to change this world. Huh? Levi? You could have picked anybody else, but you picked Levi. But he says this, Acolyte and metanoia have a change of heart, have a change of mind. Because what is discipleship? When Jesus asks us to follow him, he's saying, I am going to take you on a journey that you are going to go through a metanoia. You're going to change the way you think. You're going to change the way you believe. You see, our problem is we want to change behavior before belief. And Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, that's not how it works. I want you to change how you see me and the world around. And as you see me and as you believe me, everything else will follow. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to have a change of heart, a change of mind, and you follow Jesus on mission. Very rarely did Jesus say, you got to go do this, because Jesus did say that. Matter of fact, he said to one individual, he says, go and sin no more. In other words, stop doing what you're doing. And he also told someone that if you go back to the lifestyle that you were living, things will be worse. Anyone know that? You have this divine encounter with God, and you're thinking, like, I made it okay, and you go back to that old lifestyle, I'm telling you, life is going to fall hard on you. But with Levi, Jesus is like, dude, follow me. Let's go change our minds together. How awesome is that? Why do we in church complicate the gospel so much? I say this all the time. 
When Jesus asked me to follow him, I was waiting for a list of everything I had to stop doing. And all he said was this, try me. In other words, he was saying, Aculite, follow me. And I will change every part of your life. And when you start your faith out like that, the world is wide open. I love it. Am I the only one that's getting bumpies? Am I? Am I getting chills? But how awesome is that? And we as the church have complicated it. And this, then this is, what he, this is what Jesus says. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. So who hung out with Jesus? The sinners, the tax collectors, disreputable. What does disreputable mean? Of bad reputation. Has anyone in this room ever had a bad reputation? Give me an aha. Uh-huh. You guys are so holy. Bless you, bless you, bless you. No, seriously. How many of us have ever lived in a place of corruption? But isn't it funny that Levi, his first response is saying, I want you to meet all my friends. Why is it as Christians, the moment we become Christians, we drop all of our friends who don't know Jesus and only attach ourselves to people who do? Because we're terrified. They might think we're weird. They might think we're spooky. They might think that we're part of a cult. Really? We got introduced with the one who created the universe. Come on. How awesome is that? And Levi heard about this church called the Plants. And he heard that the Plants had this like challenge going on. I gotta be careful about this really nice guitar. And all of a sudden, Levi's like, you know what? I wanna join the party. And he says, I'm going to throw a party. And I'm going to throw a party because I want to be present for my friends who are like me. To be able to hear the one who has the words of life. Our challenge this summer is 60 house parties. Many of you stepped up to the plate this last week. We're at 48 house parties. How awesome is that? 48. And all Levi did was, he didn't set up a stage. He didn't tell Jesus to preach to him. He said, just come hang out with my friends. And Jesus just loved on them. And I find it so interesting. I think out of the four disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, John, that some of them are like, yeah, this is cool. This is fun. We were never allowed to go to parties, but Jesus takes us to parties. But I think a couple of the disciples, because when you read the next portion, that, that a couple of them were really wrestling with this. Well, let's see what it says. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? I mean, think about some of the, the words that are in the holy book of God. Disreputable, scum, 
I mean, I mean, think about how honest the author, John Mark, is trying to see. Like, like this was deep. What does scum mean? Low, vile, worthless. Pfft. Why is he hanging out with those losers? Boom, right? Right? Why is he hanging out with those losers? And it's funny is because they weren't at the party. They saw the party from a distance. So in other words... I hope this scene doesn't fall apart. That would be a meme. They're sitting around the campfire, chilling, outside, s'mores. I don't know if they had s'mores back then, but they had something like it. And on the side, you saw the disciple, a couple of the disciples who were probably disgruntled as well. And the Pharisees go up to them and say, why is he hanging out with such scum? Why is he hanging out with such irreligious people? And you think about this and you ask the question, why were they so angry? Isn't that what Jesus came to do, seek and save the lost? Wasn't that Isaiah? Isn't that what it says all throughout the First Testament, the Old Testament? That the Messiah was supposed to come and redeem all of Israel, not just those who went to temple, not just those who went to synagogue, but all people. And Jesus was probably hanging around the campfire, laughing, joking, telling parables. And you know, being a minister, I can understand Jesus because I feel awkward going to people's houses when they're like, hey, I want you to meet with my friends. I'm like, please don't make me preach. Please don't put me in the corner with them. Let me just be Rob. I just want to be Rob. I want people to see Jesus in me, not hear Jesus through me when I'm at a party. I don't want people to know I'm a pastor. I want people to walk away and say, like, dude, there's something unique about that guy. And there's Jesus sitting around the campfire, hanging out. And I wonder why a couple of the disciples were outside. Why they never got it. What their problem was. And all of a sudden, I can only, and I can only read into this, that one of the disciples went up to Jesus and said, Hey, Pharisees are trying to figure out why you hang out with such scum. In other words, we're trying to figure it out too. Right? Why are you hanging out with such scum? Why are you hanging out with such losers? Why are you hanging out with such vile, lowly people? And you wonder why the Pharisees got so mad. One, they were afraid. What's Jesus going to do with the temple? What's he going to do with the synagogue? Is he going to change what, how this is being run? Is worship going to look different? Two, they were self-righteous. We went to rabbi school. He should be hanging out with us. And three, they had false holy expectations. They never read the scriptures properly. They read it for the way they wanted to. And I can see Jesus just sitting here, and this is what he said. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are are sinners 
Those who, are, who know they're wrong. Those who know they're far from God. Those who are broken. That's who I've come to hang out with. Because those who are healthy, they don't need a doctor. I've been reading a couple books by Ryan Holiday. I don't know if any of you have read any of Ryan Holiday's books. They aren't Christian books. But I'll be honest with you, I feel like there's something deep going on in this man. One of the most important books I've ever read in my life was called Ego is the Enemy. Anyone read that book? Ego is the Enemy. Every Christian should read that book. Because your ego is your enemy. You have the devil and your ego hunting you down every single day. But he also has another book that he wrote that that I read this summer called... The obstacle is the way. And in this book, he talks about Epictetus. Epictetus, too many names today. And this is what Epictetus says, who was a Stoic. Epictetus called the words of Jesus. This is what he called the words of Jesus hundreds of years later. The medicine of salvation. When you really study the words of Jesus... They may, they may bring conviction, but they don't call you to live in a place of shame. They may recognize areas in your life that are broken and need to be redeemed, but they don't leave you in that place of guilt. And the words of Jesus are the medicine of life. Levi knew he was broken. Levi knew he was corrupt. Levi Levi knew what his reputation was amongst the people closest to him, family and friends. And there's nothing worse than going to a family party when people have a certain perspective of you. But when Jesus said simply this, come, Follow me. There was a healing that took place. That in that very moment, he had a change of heart, which meant he had a change of belief system, which meant that he was given life. Here's how I want to wrap this up. Each one of us has corruption in our soul. Each one of us. Each one of us. This morning I had prayed. Yesterday I had to put together a bed. And I am the most unhandy human being. And when I put together any form of furniture, even if it's from Ikea, I get angry. I turn into the Incredible Hulk. Anyone know what I'm saying? Bruce Bannon, Incredible Hulk, right? Nicest guy in the world, gentlest guy in the world, and all of a sudden... And for some reason yesterday, it was different. She was like, you were really good today. You did such a good job. You were so gentle. I'm like, what happened? She's like, what's going on with you? She's like, I don't know. There's something different about you today. But God's been doing something in my heart. To look at opportunities to serve my family. 
to look at opportunities to do certain things that I'm asked to do with a change of attitude. And this morning I said, God, deal with my corruption, my anger, and make me the most gentle man on the face of this earth. What's your corruption? What's your corruption? Corruption is corruption. Sin is sin. Darkness is darkness. Evil is evil. And in the eyes of God, all things opposed to him are not holy. So what's your corruption? Two, the holy nudge. The holy nudge. You see how quick, 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 Levi responded. You see how quick when you go back and you look at Peter and James and John and Andrew, and yes, Peter gave a little pushback because he felt so unrighteous. But he responded quickly. What's the holy nudge? Someone this morning needs that holy nudge. And they don't need to go home and pray about it. They don't need to go home and do anything about it. They don't need to go home and get it right with other people, but instead, today, Jesus is saying, Eculite, follow me. Be my disciple. I will change you forever. How awesome is that? Respond to the holy nudge. But lastly, be like Levi. People thought I was wearing a Star Wars shirt this morning. I had several people like, why are you wearing a Star Wars shirt? I'm not wearing a Star Wars shirt, right? This is not the empire right here. That's a smiley face. My shirt says, Jesus loves you. My one son wears this shirt all the time. Where's the Ramapo College? Where's it in Vermont? Where's it in Ridgewood? Just grabs his shirt and throws it on. I'm like, really? But he wears it because I believe in this. Love people. Be genuine. Don't stop. Love people. Be genuine. Don't stop. I want to challenge you this morning. Deal with the corruption of your soul. And let Jesus radically change your life. Love covers over a multitude of sin. Be Levi. Our church Cover your ears. Should be ringing the bell every week. Because there are people that we love deeply that need Jesus. Throwing parties should be natural. Connecting with people in our community should be our mission. Here am I, send me. Most of you will never be sent overseas. 
Most of you will never go overseas to be IWs, international workers, to be missionaries in France or other countries or countries we can't even talk about. But every single one of us is called to be sent exactly where our feet are planted because beautiful are the feet that bring good news. On earth, these things are stanky, but in heaven, they're gonna be gorgeous. They're gonna be gorgeous. They're gonna be gorgeous. And what I can't wait is that when with my feet, I get to walk up to Jesus and I get to touch the beautiful feet of the one who came to me first. I wanna challenge you today. Start strong, finish strong. It's like a football coach. Start strong, finish strong. Start strong, finish strong. We have 12 more parties to get to 60. There are 20 bags back there. I don't want to get to 60. I want to get to 100. And it's not for any accolade accolade except for this, knowing that we are on mission together. Be like Levi. Love people. Be genuine. Never stop. Amen. Let's stand. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.